Hey, welcome to the Circle of Salt, the podcast where we use our snark to protect the occult community from itself and others. Circle of Salt is brought to you by Felix Warren, aka Dot Ass, and Rune Emerson, aka AA Rune. Oh my Just so God. you know, <laughs> Circle of Salt's website is at circleofsaltpodcast.tumblr.com. And that's where you can go for updates about the podcast, to ask us questions, as well as to find links to our blogs. If you like Circle of Salt, it would be great if you could review it, review it on iTunes or on whatever other place that you're finding it at, whether that be some sort of weird station outside the moons of Saturn or just a no-name podcast app that you use instead of iTunes. Or Pester Chum. Yeah, Pester Chum. You really need to hit us, like, you know, definitely spam us on Pester Chum, like yes. as a troll would. Yes. And so if you could tell your friends and neighbors about this cool podcast while you are spamming it. Uh, by the way, don't spam it anywhere real where we could actually get blamed for it. Just spam it, spam it places we cannot get blamed for it. Yes, please. No blame. No blame. Just blameless. Blameless. Uh, if you don't like us, we didn't even don't do anything you. at all and say nothing. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so uh, as you may be able to tell, this particular uh, episode is a bit informal. We are, like, not really following the format that much at all. Because we've been doing this for long enough now that we kind of feel like it would be a good idea for us to do an introduction. So we're sort of like, uh, like I don't know, the WB or the Fox Network from, like, the 90s, where we, like, film all of our episodes out of order. And this is our introduction episode, so this is you can think of this as the origin of the Circle of Salt. Oh, this is like our secret backstory episode. Yeah, this is our backstory episode. Seriously. Uh, I may possibly have been influenced by Darkwing Duck when I was thinking up this particular episode. I, I cannot... I cannot promise that wasn't a thing. Um, <laughs> so, the origins of Darkwing Duck. Yes, the origins of the Circle of Salt. Anyway... Uh, so there are there we may be doing some other uh, more traditional installments as part of this. We might do the divination. We haven't really decided yet. But if we do, it's not going to even be traditional. So you know, there you are. We may oh. answer some questions, or we may just answer some questions without answering those questions. Right. See that thing. See, you know, he, clearly he's the smart one. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to do one of those ridiculous interview episodes where you get to meet us and introduce yourselves. Well, we get to introduce ourselves, really, because you're the silent participant. You're over there. We're over here. Yes, you are silent captive audience. And um, <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to go through a list of questions that have been recommended to us by various um, people who are hilarious and trusted. Um and some of those being ourselves and some of them being other people. Um, so we'll just go ahead and start with an introduction. So Felix, why don't you introduce yourself? All right, so I'm Felix Warren. I am a witch and um, uh, what else do I actually do? Um, so there's all kinds things. of names for different paths that you do. I do a lot of art magic, and some of that goes under witchcraft. Some of it ends up being more like sorcery or wizardry or whatever. Um, and I love how you're just like casually throwing out my terms for everything. Like, I, I love like that. you know you you actually 
paired word with thing, whereas I never actually gave a shit. And so exactly. if somebody else did the job and did it right, I'll just use that. And that's how most language, I think, should work. Oh, yes, um, I come up with an idea and everybody makes it popular. Yes, it's a great idea. Right. <laughs> I'm so. just going to take credit for it. Um, <laughs> I invented language. <laughs> Rune invented language. That that's what you. That's our takeaway for this podcast. So, <laughs> by the way, we're both in like kind of food comas right now. If it seems a little bit loopy in this podcast, yes, we are deep. We de- we're deep into delta wavelengths at this point. Yes. So, all right. So introducing me, I as I mentioned, I am in Portland. I am originally from Louisiana. Um, I have been practicing magic on purpose since I was 16, and I am 36 now. Um, That's a long time. It is a long time. It's even longer when you consider all the times I was practicing magic on accident, or just sort of, like, almost bumping into magic, but not quite understanding what magic was yet, and so fucking things up instead. Um, and let's see, my practice is mostly focused on creativity magic and art magic and stuff like that. Um, I also find a lot of things very randomly, and um, I also work quite a lot with demons. I will work with all sorts of spirits and deities, but um, my focus has been on demons since um about the year 2000 whenever i was like hey maybe i should work with demons and then demons kind of like spawn camped my ass and said yeah you should work with us and like (laughs) when something works really well you don't stop doing it and so that's basically how it's worked with me and demons all right what about you uh oh so um hi i'm esther and emerson and i am a a giant bundle of insecurity. Um, no. <laughs> uh, so I am the author of Nothing But a Pack of Cards, which is a book on tarot sorcery. And I ha- am a cardomancer, obviously, or I wouldn't have written a book. I'm also a geekomancer, which means that I like to play around with geeky things such as games and fiction and stuff like that and turn it into actual spells because I also happen to be really well educated into regular occultism to various forms of it anyway. Um, I'm also a witch and I often refer to myself as a sorceress because again I have a huge like love for fantasy and I'm a huge nerd and gender is a game anyway so who cares. Um, So those are the ways that I introduce myself. Uh, I've been doing magic deliberately since I was about eight but I have been like practicing traditional forms of witchcraft and um, various forms of magic rune magic, tarot, etc since I was about 12 and I am 36 now as of like this this month yes, happy birthday to me um, anyways uh, so I've been involved in the occult since I was a tiny little thing um and my family has a history of it so it's sort of a thing um but my family was completely unsupportive when i tried to get involved in it so that's a funny story in and of itself all right so that's um that pretty much is me you can find me online at grimoireofgeekery.tumblr.com if you haven't already which i assume a lot of you have because i have a metric ton of new followers and i'm over here going how did this happen and remember that grimoire of geekery has some dashes in there yes because i had to put a dash of flair in there 
How did that sound? Did that sound good? I think that sounded good. Risk. I think that sounded good. It's mostly that there's some schmo that's parked on grimoireofgickery.tumblr.com. And wait, no, there's nobody there. Go get the name right now. Okay, I'm doing it. All right, you're you're everybody listening to the podcast is hearing podcast history because I have just eliminated the dashes. Um. Oh, but I like them. Yeah, but you can get that and then and then camp that name and like you can basically have it as like a different blog and whenever people actually type in grimarvgrickery.tumblr.com without the dashes then they can get to your proper blog yes. and so you por que no los dos um, right, exactly and that is my advice for everybody on tumblr if you have an ambiguous name find a way to make it not ambiguous so or there you go go get the non-ambiguous name and take that as well and just have 50 different Tumblr blogs, because why not? <laughs> I should totally... I'm going to theme this and stuff later so everybody will totally know it's me and be like, nope, you picked the wrong one. You well, I'm just glad. Like, I had me. to make sure to say it while we were talking about it because what if I hadn't said that and then we put this podcast out and then somebody noticed, oh, grimoireofgeekery.tumblr.com isn't taken. I'll take it now. Someone nailed it. They can't now. take it now. Well, there you go. Okay, well, anyways, um, we should move on. <laughs> yes, we should. Now you have learned so much about us um, yes. as Tumblr magicians. Um, what is the first non-intro question we have? Well, the very first question that we had, and this was actually suggested to me by uh, one of our fans here in Reno. Um, they said uh, they wanted to ask, how did you come up with this podcast idea? Oh, is that how this question came yeah. up? Yeah, well, a lot of these were things that people came up with that I kind of had to hammer into something useful. So for those of you who hear remnants of your question, the rest of it ended up on the cutting room floor, and I'm totally not sorry. Well, we've got to make it <laughs> shaped like the podcast. So. It also has to fit the podcast time limit, so there you are. Yeah, and we got to we stop talking about the time limit and actually Obey make it the to limit. the time limit. Yes. yes. Okay, go. Okay, so I the way that this podcast happened was rather organic. I started out by saying, I want to do a podcast. And the reason I wanted to do a podcast is because I've been on um, a few podcasts, and I've listened to a few, and I just wanted a place where I could like say stuff without somebody else being in charge, kind of trying to keep me confined within some sort of arbitrary boundaries. I would, basically wanted to confine myself within my own arbitrary boundaries. Right. Which are better arbitrary boundaries. Yeah. And they're like, you know, it, I can say what goes. Um, and then right after I started saying I wanted to do a podcast, you're like, yeah, and we should do a podcast together. And okay, actually, that is not how that happened. Well, it's just like the I, I swear, like, you know, as soon as I suggested, you're like, yeah, why don't we do a podcast together? Like, I'm going to be on the podcast, right? Was was this how it seemed to go? <laughs> okay, so now what was happening in this conversation? Because you said you were going to actually maybe do two. Oh. And then you asked me to be on one of them as like a guest. And I said, oh, yeah, I totally want to do a podcast. You should totally invite me. I would love to do this. So then we had a conversation later, and I can't remember how this came about, but I do remember that we had a conversation later wherein you said something about the podcast uh, that you were thinking of the other one, and it, and it never really actually happened. Um, we haven't even talked about it since then. I don't know if it still will, but it might. Um, but anyways, and I said, oh, yeah, like, what do you want me to talk about? Like, you know, what, what kind of stuff? And you're like, well, I don't even really have, like, very many subjects just yet, so I'm not really sure. So I went away 
and came back about half a week later and was like, I have all the ideas for the podcast. Ah, uh, yeah, that's when I was like, and then there's this part where Rune moved in and took over the podcast. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that is kind of how I do everything. Like, I literally go, this is a fun idea. I love your idea. And I, I want it to be very firmly understood. This was Felix's idea. Felix is the one who came up with the basic premise of the podcast, the idea of being an occult podcast that wasn't like all of the other occult podcasts but was close enough that people could have fun with it i didn't want to like interview an author a week um right and i wanted it to kind of keep it to subjects that i really wanted to talk about um and not do like i didn't want to do the kind of podcast where it's like let's do the blank episode and the blank episode and they're all like beginner witch trap topics or like you know very common talking points like i don't want to talk about stuff that has already been talked about to death right and like he and he made it very clear that he didn't want to be teaching classes through these podcasts which i totally agreed with um that was one of the biggest selling points for me um like felix and i both do teaching for a living and um uh, it's not as much fun when it's your job. <laughs> well, and I mean, I'm fine with people like learning stuff from this, but sure. it's not fun for me to like, you know, somebody like says like, you know, what's the top 10 things you would tell a beginner witch? And I'm like, I don't have that in my head. I do. Like, I, I know you do. No, but, I like, honestly, I totally do. And you know why? Cause you've because, been asked it so much. <laughs> well that no, actually, because I stole it from a friend. Oh, well, there you go. You know, like, my top ten things that I tell people are actually a Rickroll. Oh, God. It's the best thing ever. Uh, Jake, if you are listening, I am totally talking about you. He posted this on Tumblr, and it was, like, a list of, like, ten pieces of, or some, some list of advice, like, top pieces of advice to witches, and it turned out to be an actual Rickroll, and I loved it. So that's what I give people. <laughs> if they want like a list of 10 i'm like that's excessive so here have this a list of 10 like yeah, a list of one okay i'll share something but like a list of 10 screw you i didn't want it to, to always be about books we'd read because i read extremely slowly oh and see and i read everything like i, like, I, I read a lot it's just that like i'm probably reading like five different magical books right now i don't know when i'm gonna finish one of them and then i've got other books i read like you know it i have adhd fuck you <laughs> see and for me like i i'm i'm reading very similarly like i have a whole ton of books i just bought a bunch of them um and i, ha I got a really cool one for my birthday and that came from a certain boyfriend um but anyways uh so i'm reading all of these things and i like but i read super fast like i speed read and i retain forever but i don't always retain from the source so when people are like hey what kind of books should i read i'm like uh the one that had this thing in it what book was that god damn it where was that and then i have to go pouring through what was i doing in 2003 because <laughs> that's about the best i'm gonna get i'm like oh it didn't make it into the class which means that it was it was pre-2004 you know that kind of shit so anyway so yeah. we came up with this podcast idea because we wanted to be focusing on stuff that was relevant to us and we wanted to give it a little bit of flair that comes from us and i'm like well what do we have in common well we're both a bunch of snarky bitches and all of our friends are snarky bitches and all of the people we love to keep company with the most uh use salt as their spice on everything so i i thought that it fit and then um 
you were the one who named it, weren't you? Yeah, we were trying to think of like something something that was witchy and had to do with salt or snark or whatever, and I finally came up with Circle of Salt. And it was perfect, and I was just like, that only a circle of salt can protect you from her power. And I was Winifred Sanderson in that moment, and so it was perfect. But anyways, so that's how we came up with the podcast idea. Um, and that is actually one of the reasons why sometimes we don't answer questions of certain kinds. If it's really too serious, we aren't actually assholes. We won't answer a really serious question using our frivolous divination system very often because it's not nice. You know, it, it, we don't want to hurt the f feelings of our friends, so that's not cool. Well, just, just, very... as aside, just as an aside there, I thought you guys should know. If it's a very serious and dire question where it's like whatever answer we provide will obviously um, majorly impact your life. Yeah, majorly impact your life. Like it's kind of hard for me to do that for free. Well, um, I, I'm with you there, but like, I'm, like I don't even mean that in terms of like I, I must get money for this. It's like you're asking for change to enter your life in a major way, which means I'm going to need to be involved in this answer much more than just like reading it off on a podcast. Right. This Where, is an actual commitment. There are certain questions that we run into where it's sort of like, um, oh, you're willing to have us say that on, uh, like, on public radio? Okay. We will. Do you, are you sure that your boyfriend also doesn't listen to this podcast? Right, exactly. So the, the price will be paid, my dear. You you are paying the price in your public humiliation. But, like, I like there are only so many questions like that that we can even answer um, before it becomes a bit trite and boring. So there are a lot of questions that we discard. And if we are just going to toss your question and not answer it, usually you'll hear from us. We'll be like, we can't really answer that one on, on the air. It's not very fair to anyone. It's not fair to you. We don't feel um, like comfortable answering it or we don't feel like we're, we're able to, to give it proper attention online or whatever. But yeah, anyways, this isn't the right venue for a lot of different questions. I know that we contact you because I'm the one who does it. So if you haven't heard from us... And you haven't had your question answered, ask it again. We've got like 20 in our inbox, so right. it's going to take us a while. And the fun thing is, like, it, we, we're usually about a month behind, sometimes two. Um, so if, and I think we've already talked about this before on one of the podcasts, but if your question has not been answered and it's been long enough that you've timed out and, like, the answer is no longer important, well, I mean, eh, sorry. <laughs> Uh, we're not very time sensitive here. We didn't want to keep to anyone's schedule. All right, we got to move on to the next question. Yeah, actually, I want to ask a, a question that's out of order here, but I think oh, it's important. It's I have important extra for, questions to add to this, so that's totally Yeah, fine. it's important for our audience to understand some things about us, and I think it, it dovetails into what we were just talking about in terms of time. Um, talk about what's a normal week, very, very briefly, for you as a witch. A normal week? Like what I do during the week? Yeah. Okay, well, um, so I tend to mentally consider my week to start on Monday, um, like a lot of 9-to-5ers do, but um, on Monday I have a class with one of my students, and I'm sure she's listening, so hi there. Um, <laughs> I have a class with one of my students. Um, I, generally during that day I have a lot of like work stuff that I do during the day, like prep for the rest of the week, and then I do my class with one of my students. And she's taking... Ooh, excuse me. She's taking witchcraft classes that are just kind of like introductory stuff thing, that I don't usually offer to the public anymore. Um, I retired from doing that because I did it for 10 years in a row and didn't get a break. Um, so 
I, um, anyway, but I'm teaching her one-on-one, -on -one, which is more expensive, and since she's willing to do that, that works out for me. But anyway, uh, so I, I teach her basic stuff, you know, how to hex, how to put a compulsion on something, how to uh, do a healing spell, that kind of shit. Uh, Tuesdays, um, I have classes that I teach throughout the week, or throughout the month, that change um, on Tuesdays. Usually I'm doing stuff to do with the Nocturne tradition, with the Cabal of Nocturne, which is my personal lineage within the Greater Wristing tradition. Um, it's a coven tradition, and so we're basically doing coven classes, classes on what it's like to be in a group, uh, what it's like to work together with a bunch of witches, things that you can run into when you're being initiated into a tradition of coven work, uh, things to avoid, that kind of stuff. Um, Wednesdays, uh, Wednesdays are like a day off now. They used to be a business day. Um, Thursday, what is Thursday? Thursday I have coven night. I actually get together with my coven and we do things. Um, so most of the day I'm, I'm off. It used to be a work day, but I just changed my schedule. So now it's, um, now it's my other day off. And then, uh, like I do coven night in the night, Friday and Saturday, I work at pathways, which is the little metaphysical shop I work at, at the moment. Um, and I'd read cards there. Um, and I do counseling to people uh, like mostly like mystical counseling, not like, uh, pastoral counseling or therapy or anything. Um, like, you know, hey, you want to do this? This is how you might go about doing it. These are some things you might want to look at reading. Consulting. Kind of yeah, consultation on, on the occult. Um, so that's Friday and Saturday. Saturday I also have a class that I teach in the evening. And then Sunday I hang out with you. It's true. Mm -hmm. Sunday is mostly my day to hang out with you, but it's also the day that anything that I haven't done during the rest of the week I do. So sometimes I don't get to hang out with you because I've got four or five different meetings I have to do. <laughs> so yeah, that's because I'm very involved in my local community. Like I'm, I'm on the board for our community center, our pagan community center. And, um, I'm involved in things like pagan pride day. I, I read cards at pagan pride day this year, um, for a drastic like discount, um, because I was just doing it to support the community, that kind of stuff. So that's a normal week. That's a normal week for you, yeah. I wanted I want the audience to kind of get a perspective on what it is that we do with our time and why it is that we it's so irregular that we can kind of get together for a podcast and that's why that's their good. their questions haven't been answered in over a month. That's fair. Um, what about so, you? What's yours? So mine is going to be a bit different. Rune is a career witch. Um, yeah. I am still a career, career nine-to-fiver. <laughs> yes. Um, I and have. Work, and you're Dolly Parton because you're working nine to five. Dolly Parton. Um, I, wow, I can't. that was that was very dramatic. <laughs> you know that one celebrity Jeopardy parody on Saturday Night Live that has. Um, um, yes. Yeah. With yeah. That where they where they make Sean Connery look like a complete yeah. like ass. I love him. He's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> So that's what I think of anytime you hear Dolly Parton. Um, <laughs> moving on. Um, so my regular week, um, I do have a nine to five job. Uh, I eventually want to to do not a nine to, nine to five job and actually be more of a witch for a living. But I first had to make witchery pay for itself, um, and a lot of other things pay for itself. So right. um, in the meantime. Nine to five job. I do web work, um, some combination between website programming and website maintenance um, for a living. And um, 
that leaves me enough spare time that during the day I can make posts on Tumblr, maybe write up some interesting things, possibly do a bit of sketching in a meeting. You know, I manage to make find ways to make it work. You know, I do a spell to make sure that the air conditioner actually air conditions things to a degree that it doesn't overheat. Um, mm-hmm. Watch ominous flocks of crows fly by my windows. <laughs> Which is normal in downtown Portland. Um, okay, but they're only ominous because crows are omens. It's not even they're not even that scary anymore. They're, they're just like, crowmans. Like, okay. <laughs> so so during the day I, I spend a lot of time in an office trying to juggle time to be able to do a bit more magical creative stuff. In the evening, either I am taking a freaking nap because I'm that exhausted, or I'm getting quite a lot of magical and art stuff done like you know a normal day i might be um working on some art sigil magic to be able to post to patreon or um i might um get in um a uh, reading because i i offer readings on etsy but i do them by recording them on video and then um linking the person to that video that is a non-public video so i can get in a reading really smart it's like i i've got a whole method for it and it's worked out so far i just like you know if i've got a 30 minute window i can you know sit down and record the reading when i've got that time and then you know post it to them it's just i i haven't stated that i have a one to two week turnaround time because you know my day job like if it's been a three meeting day and i've been you know pounding my head against a wall trying to fix um a a coding bug and and haven't been able to get it to work when i get home i'm not doing a reading i'm going to bed and then like you know getting up later and like watching ice (laughs) yeah i'm gonna go watch archer or something like you know something that doesn't require thought um well so basically what you're saying is i'm career witch and you're portland gothic uh gosh i wish i was portland gothic but yeah no you are you have crows that hang out outside your window that's true. It's just like, I, I'm not as weird as the rest of Portland, and I want to be. That is so garbage. I've been there. That is such a lie. You've been in my in my home, but you I haven't have been, been at... I have you... watched how you interact with people. I have watched who interacts with you, and you are Portland Gothic. Oh, okay, fine. Like, when you see that, <laughs> it's just that, like, at my office, like, in my place of work, it's a little bit different. I am I, managing to make it work. It's just that I, I work at a place where you can't be that strange, because no. I work very close to the, um, you know, the bosses of where I work, and Ew. so, um, you know, dress code is a thing, um, conduct policy, all that, you know, like, it's stuff that is no fun, and so I spend... Monday through Friday doing that. Friday right. is whenever, like, you know, we get out a little bit earlier on Friday. Friday night, you know, I can usually so have some Friday, fun. Friday, you're in love? Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's anything specific on any one, like, you know, weekday that really determines what I do anymore. Um, Friday and, but Saturday and Sunday, you know, Saturday is when I can finally sleep till noon. Um, I could be doing really important things, but I sleep till noon instead. And then I'm working away on one of the many things that I've got to do um, while getting together, like, you know, maintenance on the yard. I have a garden that I keep um, that requires a lot of time and devotion and work, like things that are annoying but somewhat rewarding. Yeah, anyway, that's kind of how my week goes. Um, and some of Is it's he- very magical, some of it's very not. 
Now you have a really valid excuse behind all of this because you work, you don't work one job, you work three. And um, yeah, one of them's nine to five and the others are whenever you can fit them in. Um, yeah. And so you're busy, like you're super busy. The day, I actually have days off and I take them and I actually have time off during every day. But one of the things that a lot of people don't realize, because I don't, I just think of what I do for work, but um, like I am in a family of four. And so I have like three guys here that I'm spending time with. We're in a poly family. And so we do a lot of stuff together. And so that takes up a lot of my time. Anyways, that's why I don't blog so much. Plus, I just don't feel like I have anything to say sometimes. So I'm just like, whatever. But anyways. Okay, so I think we've kind of done that one to death. Let's go ahead and Yes, one. we've killed it. Right, now cool. we can use it for necromancy. <laughs> <laughs> anyways so all right uh another question here let me see here uh let's share some personal salt about the craft ah uh, yes I'm, okay i'm ready for this go okay so witches specifically witches there's all kinds of other magic users i could put this one on but i'm gonna just call out witches um what is the problem with demons and I'm saying this specifically because, like, obviously I work with demons. Um, but witches, as typically are known in lore and stories and stuff, like, you know, the first thing I figured whenever I found out about that were real, there were real witches. It's like, oh, like, you know, there's got to be, like, some real badasses because, like, you know, they're witches. You know, witches are not known for just, like, you know, being nice all the time and following <laughs> the law and stuff. And so, you know... That that's just amazing. These tremendous people, and so uh, I was very interested in demons very very early on. And one thing I found out very early on in the witch community is like people are fucking scared of demons. And I was like, why the shit are you sh afraid of demons? You're a witch. <laughs> like, I, aren't you on the same side as demons? Most of you. It's funny that you should say that. My favorite quote from uh, from Terry Pratchett is all about uh, like. A witch should never be afraid of anything in the dark forest. She should not be afraid to be in there alone at night because she should know in her soul that the scariest thing in the woods is her. Yeah, like that's like, you know, that's a freaking motivational poster for witches. It is, and I love it. I so like, like anytime it comes onto my feed, I reblog it. <laughs> But yeah, like the amount of recoil that I'll get from from specifically witches when it comes, you know, if I talk about demons or I talk about, you know, if the, nobody's tried craft and I talk about Lucifer, suddenly they're like spooked out. And I'm like, I'm not here for like, you know, the church club. I'm here for witches. <laughs> and like even the church club sometimes deals with demons better than like some witches that I've met do. I haven't encountered that, but maybe... <laughs> No, because, like, church club, like, if they're, like, the right church, they're like, oh, yeah, we could take down any demon we meet. Okay, but they're, like, talking, like, Winchesters over there where they're like, we're going to take them down. Like, but that's kind of the thing that I've always associated with, like, which is, if a witch is going to interact with a demon, they're going to interact with the demon the same way they would anything else. Which is yeah. to say, they're not going to automatically assume that the thing that they're interacting with is evil just because, oh, it's on a list of, like... Like, it's on Solomon's most wanted list, you know? You're in the evil phone book. You gotta be evil. <laughs> right? And I'm, I'm over here. I kind of always just wanted to put my own name in there, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like whenever I see, like, you know, a demon is written off as, like, you know, any malevolent spirit. I'm like, that's not how words work, for right. one. That's... And two, why are you so afraid of malevolent, malevolent spirits? Demons. Like, yeah. you, should, you should have this shit down if you're a witch. 
No. Like, th- this is, like, rule number one of, like, learning things to deal with, because you're going to encounter shit, for one. It's probably more like rule number four or five, but yeah, it's on the list of top ten. I think that the problem with rules one through five is that you learn them all at once. That's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the jump-in program for being a witch is rather... Uh, <laughs> dramatic um anyways but yeah so that's like that is my salt like y'all you gotta you gotta start like do not scream as soon as you hear the word demon because like that's embarrassing come on well and there is a long-standing tradition in magic in general for people to be like sorry we have no room for cowards and i get a lot of questions and someone has asked this question recently and we will address a variant of it later but someone recently asked you know like how to be like how to do this how to how do i do this you know solidly how do i do this confidently how do i not be afraid all this kind of stuff um i have to tell you i have absolutely no advice about how to not be afraid because i am you know 36 years old and i'm still afraid all the time I just know that you have to push through it. You have to be courageous. The third tenet of the witch's pyramid is to dare. You have to be brave in the face of fear. That's what courage is. It isn't about being fearless. It's about being afraid and doing it anyway. So, and if, I mean, if, oh God, I don't even remember what, who it was that wrote that. Uh, it wasn't Eliphas Levy and it wasn't Agrippa, although Agrippa had some things to say about it. But whoever it was, um, like it, it's been around since like the, the the late 1500s, the early 1600s, and people are still saying it. If they've been saying it consistently in every in every witches group, and every tradition of magic in the Western occultism, uh, over, uh, if they are still saying it, there's probably a reason for it. Anyway, uh, my personal salt is not actually about cowards because everybody's got moments of cowardice. Um, My personal salt is the obsessive tendency to try to be an ingenue and a witch at the same time. Could you let us know what ingenue means? Yep. Uh, Princess in the tower needs to be saved. Innocent, fresh-faced, naive, wants to be friendly, sing to the birds and have them do housework for you kind of garbage. Um... There are no heroes in the craft. If you're a witch, you're not a hero. You're automatically not a hero. If you run into us in fiction, we are not the heroes. If you run into us in life, we are not the heroes. We may do something that you label as heroic for you, but the smart ones, let me say the wise ones for sure, but the smart ones, hopefully, um, because there is a difference, uh, they realize that one person's hero is another person's villain. And the fact of the matter is, a person's approval of you does not make you good. A person's disapproval of you does not make you evil. A whole group of people telling everybody that you are a, a vile villain does not make you one. Only doing things that are evil makes you evil, and it just makes you evil as long as you're doing them. That's the problem with good and evil. Doing good all the time, constantly striving to be good, does not mean you will always succeed. And the moment you fail, there are people out there who are ready to jump on you and be like, See? I knew he was toxic. Which, by the way, I get accused of that on a regular basis. Um, And I'm not the only one I know. 
So the the whole thing, my salty thing is there are people out there who like to portray themselves as as white knights and protectors and innocents and all this kind of stuff in the craft. You can't practice the craft and remain innocent. It doesn't work like that. You're going to, innocent means without experience, without knowledge. Um, it, and the only way that you're going to retain any sense of innocence or purity is if you accept the whole Memnock the Devil idea, which is innocence is not about lack of knowledge, it's about lack of guilt. And there's another word for people who do horrible, awful things to people and don't feel any guilt about it, and that's sociopath. And yes, witchcraft does have a tendency to be a bit sociopathic. My point here is, if you have any sense of balance in the craft, any sense of um, your own footing, sense of personal empowerment, sense of freedom from the things that bother you or that harm you, you lose your status as an ingenue. You are automatically too powerful to be an ingenue. And if you don't immediately turn around and become a martyr to someone's cause, no one's going to be willing to consider you a hero. Most witches realize early on that we don't want to be heroes because they don't really exist anyway. So that label gets put on you when you're useful and it gets taken away when you stop being convenient. So we end up being labeled the villains or sometimes we get labeled the fairy godmother or the helpful NPC, the helpful innkeeper, that kind of thing. That's actually okay because the story is not about the people telling it either. The story is about everyone and everything. It's not about any one of us. So none of us are the hero. That drives me nuts. When I see witches playing games as if they are the victim in a situation or perpetuating some sort of drama cycle about someone else, defending someone's virtue, I'm over here going, stop, just stop talking. If you really meant it, you would do something about it and not just whine about it on Tumblr. So any of you who come to me with a victim story, please understand this is, you are losing credibility the moment I see you perpetuating a drama cycle. The moment I see you start flinging accusations at people about uh, anytime you start calling someone an ist, a uh, racist, an elitist, a uh, sexist, anything like that, I do research. I look at things like this and I go, okay, well, uh, I'm going to look at some of their behavior and see if I agree. I don't just believe you. And a lot of people look for me to believe them. You're a witch. The first tenet is to know, not to believe not to be gullible, to ask questions and to learn. So do that. Come on, guys. Use your discernment. All right, so that's my salt, and that was a little more bitchy than I expected to be. Are you saying that making a call-out post is not in the Witch's Pyramid? It is not. You know what? The fifth point is not to call out. <laughs> the fifth point is not to shame. It's not to guilt trip. I... You know, it's interesting that you should ask me about that because no, it's not. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's move on Next to something question. a little lighter. Yeah. Okay. So, tell a funny story about your practice. Bonus if it involves Schadenfreude. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to do this one first. Yes. So. Um, this is a story that a lot of my students get to hear from me. Um, one of the things I teach in my class is weatherworking, and I actually teach a, like a viable paradigm of function for it because a lot of people try to make it out to be more advanced than it is as a subject, and it's really not that advanced a subject. People do it all the time. Anyway, uh, but 
in doing so, I have to explain that a lot of the stuff that I came to with weatherworking was trial and error because I had a natural aptitude for it. And by the way, those of you who are listening, who are just getting started in your craft and are sad because you don't have any natural aptitudes, you do. You absolutely do. You may not think that they're real or you may not think that they're serious, but you do. Um, I had a natural aptitude for weather magic, which meant that I was exceptionally bad at it when I fucked it up. It, like, if I did it right, it had really good results. If I did it wrong, it had really bad results. And one such instance, my friend Morgan, I was working at her store called The Enchanted Realm, and she was, I was kind of helping her run the store, like kind of being the person behind the counter while she went out and did her day job to keep the bills paid. And so she was out doing her thing, and she was um, running around delivering baggage for the airport, and she was in Tahoe, and I got a phone call at Enchanted Realm, and I answered the phone, Enchanted Realm, this is Rune, um, and she says, Rune! I'm like, oh, Jesus, what? And she's like, it's so hot, because it was the middle of July. I can't handle it. And I'm like, well, okay. She's like, I don't have air conditioning in my van. I was like, oh, that sucks. And so she's whining, and I'm like, well, hold on a minute. I'll call you back. And so I hung up, and I went and grabbed the besom off the wall, um, filled up a bowl full of water, went outside, cast a circle, called to each of the four winds, and petitioned them for cold weather and i used the water and i for those of you who know how to do that besom trick where you you wet the the bristles of the broom and spin it in the air three times and slap the ground in the direction of the wind that you're trying to summon and all this kind of shit it's an old traditional spell anyways i did this in broad daylight in front of our neighbors which was hilarious um they walked out saw me spinning around with my broom in the air and were like and we have business on the other side of our store. <laughs> so they just disappeared into the woodwork. Um, we got a reputation that day. That was pretty funny. Uh, so uh, I, I, I went back in and I called her and I tried to leave. I tried to get in touch with her, but she didn't answer. So I had to leave a voicemail and said, okay, um, call me if anything serious happens. Um, should take maybe 10 minutes because I've, I've been doing it long enough that I knew how Reno weather patterns worked. Well, I did something wrong. Get a call about 20 minutes after I finished calling her, and I pick up the phone, Enchanted Realm, this is Rune. What did you do? Uh, what? It's hailing. And so it was. I, I went outside and was like, it's not hailing. It's not even moving. Ooh, the air is really still. And she's like, look around the valley. And there was a silver ring of clouds all around the valley and yes it was hailing and um she could not roll up her windows so that was not funny um, <laughs> i was so embarrassed and so flustered i was like well this is what you get for asking me to do weather magic for you and hung up never minding the fact that I, she didn't ask anything um <laughs> so uh, I learned from that experience that there are, are certain ways to do things that um, maybe you shouldn't treat the weather like your personal air conditioner. Um, so I learned. I learned from that. <laughs> your turn. I I still. You don't always have to not treat the weather as your personal air conditioner. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Someone hasn't learned that lesson yet. I said you didn't. You don't always have to not. Not that you should never or that you can't uh -huh. always. 
Okay. So, anyways, what's your? I'm story? not good at it yet. So. <laughs> what's your story? Tell your story, Jesus. I just embarrassed myself in public. <laughs> okay. So I don't. We, we we talked before this podcast about whether I've told this story or not, and you have heard it before, and and it has been spoken on a podcast, but not on the Circle of Salt podcast. And I'm going to speak one half of it. I may have talked about the part where I drew somebody's animal familiar, um, but that's not this the part is, I'm talking about. Yeah, this is called the Scorpio Girl story. Yeah, if I ever talk about Scorpio Girl, there is only one Scorpio Girl. I am not talking about all Scorpios or all Scorpios who Hashtag are female. Not all Scorpios. I'm, yeah, like this is specifically Scorpio Girl, and there's a reason. So, like. I was at a pagan gathering in Baton Rouge, like, way back in the, I would say, very late um, 1990s. Um, well, I would assume it's in the 19s. Yeah, it would... <laughs> like... Trying to think, like, if this was... Uh, it's market around 1999. So, um... I, as I do at most social gatherings, and especially back then, was drawing... And I had several people come up and ask me to do, like, you know, drawings, like, you know, spirit drawings, or drawings of them as a furry, and I didn't know what furries were yet, so that was very confusing to me. Um, <laughs> and, like, this one girl, who is the titular Scorpio girl, Scorpio asked girl. me to draw her animal familiar, and I did that. And in exchange, because the other people gave me money, and I was like, holy shit, I can get money for this shit? Amazing. Um... <laughs> I wish the future, like, I, surely the rest of the future will, will have me continuously getting money for this. And it's like, no. Um, <laughs> As it turns out. Scorpio Girl wanted to do an art trade, and uh, she's like, okay, well, if you do your your, your drawing for me, then then I'll, I'll do a drawing for you, because I'm an artist too, and um, I do drawings about people's futures. And, like, this isn't how I, I mimic any woman speaking. This is specifically Scorpio Girl's voice. And that is actually her voice. We've had it. Um, we, we've spoken to someone about it, and yeah. they said yes, that is actually true. They they zoomed and enhanced. It has and this been is confirmed. It has been confirmed. Yes. So um, she's like, yeah, I, I I do drawings that tell the future. So um, future. Yeah, the future. And so I'm like, okay, well, I, I had not seen someone else do this yet because I was only like eighteen. Um, and I'd only gotten into the witchcraft community since I was 16, so you know. So, she sits down and does her drawing. It's with literally crayons. Um, and it's like very, very vague black hair, as in done with like maybe six wavy lines. These big, solidly blue eyes, and then these like red lips, and then like kind of a vague nose. And then the number nine. And she says, okay, in nine years, you're going to be very feminine. Um, you're going to be all about pink. And this is going to be you. And she, like, points to the drawing. And, like, I have, like, green slash hazel eyes and, mm -hmm. like, blonde slash sandy hair. Just <laughs> to give you a check-in there. Um, and you're going to be all about pink. Um... 
And she's like, and you've got to be really careful when you have sex because you're very fertile. And it's very easy for you to get pregnant. And I know this because I'm a Scorpio and Scorpios are very psychic. <laughs> and that's how she finished the entire thing. Yes. And I looked over to my girlfriend at the time and I was like, hey, um, apparently I've got to like really worry about like, you know, Pregnancy. getting pregnant <laughs> because, um, uh, I'm very and, and insemination and all of that. And like my girlfriend's like, oh, oh, my bad. I should stop keeping that jar of semen on the nightstand. <laughs> and Scorpio girl was very nonplussed by this. But um, nine years later, I did have a, a stage where I was ironically into pink. Um, and also we figured out eventually that she had pretty much drawn uh, a very abstract version of Eligos, which is a spirit I work with, who's a time traveler. <laughs> <laughs> and so this entire episode was kind of like him delivering a joke with a nine-year punchline. Which he's a time magician. Of course he does. He does this a lot. But a yeah. Troll. Yeah, he did one to me too. <laughs> I'm not even yeah. going to explain one day we'll do a podcast on um, roasting Eligos. Yeah, but we'll have we have to do some sort of time thing with it so it actually it makes sense. <laughs> All right, so that's that's my funny story about meeting. I, I don't think that all Scorpios are like this, by the way. I like to make that distinction. <laughs> she was a very unique person. <laughs> all right. So the next question that we have. Um, Share one of your guilty pleasures as a witch. Bonus points if it involves an unpopular opinion. Oh, well, I don't know if I'm going to get any bonus points for this one. Uh, <laughs> what about you? What do you got? Okay, so my guilty pleasure. I'm. Uh, I kind of know where you're going, and I actually decided where I was going to go with this. Okay. My guilty pleasure is Alistair Crowley. Oh, I, it's so sad that that is a guilty pleasure. I, like, look, I'm not sure how Aleister Crowley could be any other kind of pleasure. I'm sure he appreciates that. Like, let's, okay, so this is, it's not just that, it's not just his writing, because actually there's not much of his, I don't read a whole lot of his work. There's, like, very specific works by him that I like, and I also kind of just like to browse through his work overall, because I'm just, like, it's hard to be impressed by pretension whenever you're in a witch community. It's very true. But Aleister Crowley just manages somehow to deliver on it in a way that just, like, he really made it his. And <laughs> he made pretension his. That If that isn't the absolute identity of pretension. <laughs> yes. And, like, so, like, sometimes, like, you know, there's lawyers who do really clever arguments. And so it's actually really funny to hear them talk or, or, or read their write-ups. Or sometimes, you know, a judge will deliver a decision and he's so fucking funny. And so it's like, you know, I'm not really that interested in reading law stuff, but every now and then I'll read a quote from something and it's absolutely fucking hilarious. Um, and these are people who have to, like, professionally talk for a living. So, of course, they come up with something good. And Crowley was like that. I mean, he was just, like, you know, throwing words at the entire world. Just sound bites everywhere. But he was a quipmeister. Like, seriously, one of <laughs> my favorite pieces of mystical advice comes from Crowley, even though I think he's a douche. Oh, yeah, he's definitely a douche. Yeah. Um, what is the piece of advice? Now is not the time to think. Now is the time to experience. You think afterwards, because if you try to think now, you don't have anything to think about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I'm like, paraphrasing dramatically because I've turned it into my own thing at this point. But well, the I thing is, like, it. he went over his words very, very like specifically to to try to give like the most like to try to put his point in not only like the most succinct words and like the most magical words but add like you know any gematria that he wanted to add and and just completely present an image like he was very obsessed with image and so Alistair Crowley has actually been a a very important teaching example to me like I started reading his stuff I think when I was around 18 um and it was a really good preparation for the kinds of people that I would meet in the magical community. That mm-hmm. there would be people in the magical community, lots of people, who try to put on the airs that Crowley put on while not having anything to back it of substance. Right. Like, the reason that I, I you know, found stock in his words was not because he manages to put on the airs of pretension. It's because he's got substance there, and he manages to be... You know, to to either add that pretension in a way that I like find funny because it's like I it's entirely unnecessary. He could have just said the thing that he had to say and make a good point, but he had to add the pretension on top because he's like because he's a goddamn you know, diva, entirely too British. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there you but go. Yeah, so uh, diva so Crowley. Crowley. Diva yeah. Crowley. So my witchy guilty pleasure, my guilty pleasure as a witch is, all right, it's not a secret to anyone that I am a complete uh, slut for trashy witch fiction of any kind. Um, in fact, that makes it actually really hard for me when I run into witchy fiction that I don't like. Like, it's very rare and it almost feels like a, like blasphemy. Um, but... So, like, that's a thing. Like, any form of witchy fiction, if there's a main character who's a witch, then I'm probably going to like it. Um, And if anybody in the book is doing a spell, then I always stop and I go, okay, wait, how would this work? Would this work? Can I try this out? Let's see if we can do it. Um, But, like, my guilty pleasure is, even that being said, one of my favorite things to do is fly my Slytherin colors. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, and... um, I especially get a kick out of doing those shitty little clicky tests on Facebook that try to like figure out which Hogwarts house you are. And I, I delight in playing these things and finding out what these things are going to try to say about me. Oh my God, which Disney villain are you based on what you think of your ex? Oh my God, which, hi- which Harry Potter house are you based on your Myers-Briggs? Oh my god, which Homestuck classpect are you based on what flavor peanut butter you like? Um, it's just, I love them. I play with them so much, and it is such a stupid, stupid thing. But I love them, and if they come up, I will absolutely be doing them. So, especially if they involve um, me being able to show off the fact that I am a dyed-in-the-wool Slytherin. I am very comfortable with that. I'm not even going to apologize for their asshole behavior. I'm like, yep. Like, 80-90% of us were Death Eaters, bunch of racists, elitists, snots. Uh, not everybody's smart. So, I mean, there you go. <laughs> so that's my guilty pleasure. Your okay. guilty pleasure is trashy Facebook quizzes. It is. It's trashy Facebook quizzes and the opportunity to tell people that I'm the bad guy from Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. And let's see here. The last question we have on our list. Oh, no, we've got two. So we've got one question. Tell us one of your beliefs or opinions about magic that has changed over time. And this... Okay, do you want me to answer this or shall I? Or shall you? 
do first? Um, I'll go first. You go first. Go. Okay, so early on, um, I was trying to figure out how how the world worked and how magic worked and how um, all of this stuff in the world could be workable and what I even believed in. And, right. you know, that's a good place to start. Um, and early on, I read up on chaos magic, specifically more of the stuff from the from the older school and also a bunch of stuff from Robert Anton Wilson. Um, oh, Illuminati's trilogy. Yeah, Illuminati's trilogy, also Schrodinger's Cat trilogy, and and also some of his like his works outside of that, and and then of course the Principia Discordia, and so like Chaos Magic to me also included a lot of Discordian stuff. Well, um, and during the '90s, that was actually pretty true. Yeah, it's like and so like it was you a know popular it, way of looking at things. '90s Chaos Magic, in, including some Discordianism. So. For a while, that was my workable worldview, that everything just worked via chaos magic. And I was constantly trying to figure out, like, to what extent it was chaos magic, which is actually a good check to do. Um, but for a while, I was like, okay, well, like, let's see if really everything is belief-based, because that's what it boils oh, down yeah. to. Is it's like, you know, it's either your will or it's, you know, people's mass beliefs that are just causing everything to happen. And, and just how much of your world is, is shaped entirely by you and your own machinations and whatever the fuck your subconscious is doing. And that's something I grappled with for a while, while at the same time talking to spirits that had nothing to do with me. And actually, it was, the chaos magic test was a big test to me as a spirit worker, because um, I was talking to entities that were literally voices in my head. And I had to determine, you know, at what point do I consider these to not be me? Do I, I draw the line and say, okay, I've definitely gotten to a point where I can, can f say with absolute certainty, these entities are not just me. And they're not in any convoluted chaos magic way still me. And, like, they're definitely separate entities, and they're working from a completely different paradigm than Chaos Magic, and Chaos Magic is not in charge of everything. And it was, like, a very good test for, is my spirit work working? <laughs> How's my spirit work paradigm? Because spirit work is where you start, like, actually acknowledging that there are spirits out there, and therefore spirits that, you know, for the most part, like, there's some frameworks that say that, you know, you can be the spirit at the same time as everything else is a spirit, but... For the most part, most spirit work has to deal with things not being you. Right. Um, and, it, like, the demons that I work with, they certainly managed to prove themselves and their own abilities. Um, they did things that I didn't expect. They did things I didn't plan. There were plenty of things that happened that were just completely out of my control. And there was a certain point I got to where I was like, look, if I was really secretly in charge of my own world, I would do this different. Right. Like the, the, this, to, to, to say absolutely that everyone is in charge of their own existence and they, they determine everything that happens and that before they're born, they look into this life and they decide that that's the life that they want to occupy. And so everything that happens to them or that they do is something they plan ahead of time. At some point, that's really insulting right. to people who did not have things happen very well. Right. And that's where I like finally came down. I was like, look, chaos magic is a mechanism via which magic can work. It is and not how which, everything works. You know, things can work. It's it's you know, it's a dynamic, but it's not the only one. Gotcha. You know, um, for myself, I have a really hard time with this because all of my um, view, viewpoints and world view, like all of my paradigms of, of experience, have shifted over the years. 
Um, so it's difficult for me to pinpoint a specific one. Uh, there's the energy thing. I don't agree with the term energy being used, and that was developed over time because I disliked people's vocab and their inability to use words that actually made sense. Um, I don't enjoy... Uh, here's something. You know, this is one that's really big. Um, the elitism of intelligence is a belief system that no longer operates for me. And this is actually really prominent in the witchcraft and occultism community. Um, I used to have a really strong attachment to the idea of if you don't read, you're not a real occultist. Because there was this, there were these factions. You know, there were the people who were like, you don't have to read to be a witch. You know, witches learn their magic through intuition and experience. And um, they're artists, basically. And then, then there were the others who were like, it's long hours of constant study that make you into a witch or whatever. And I very firmly fell into the second category because it felt properly elite to me. It felt um, gratifying and satisfying to my idea of what was like smart, what was uh, best, what was um, better than everybody else, what was more powerful and, and, and advantageous. So um, I fell into that category. I studied tradcraft after I broke away from Wicca because I wanted a form of witchcraft that predated Wicca, which was already being riddled full of holes by the time the early 2000s were coming along. Everybody was like, oh, well, their stuff is based on this and this and this and this and this, and it's not real. Um, very much the same way they do with every religion out there. Um, and so, but they conflated this idea of um, edgy argumentativeness as being um, identical to intelligence. Like, if you don't argue, then you're not intelligent. Um, if you don't subscribe to these edgy philosophies, you're not intelligent. And that's not intelligence. Intelligence is about taking in information and processing it. And the faster you do it, the more intelligent you are. But that doesn't necessarily make you knowledgeable, and it doesn't necessarily make you right. And that was my that was the thing that really changed for me. So those of you who are out there trying to think, like one thing that a lot of people love to say, witches are inherently smarter than other people. No. Most of the witches I know are dumb as the posts. <laughs> I am not joking. I am a Slytherin dyed in the wool, which means that I will have their back forever, but that doesn't mean that I think they're smart. I am aware that there are some dumb motherfuckers in the craft, and I still care about them. I still support them, even as they make dumbass decisions. That's the thing that has shifted for me. I care less about how intelligently you portray yourself or present yourself so much as I care about your integrity and how you hold yourself as a person. Like, what kinds of things are you capable of doing and being able to sleep at night? Those things matter to me more now. Um... I also, I, like, early on stopped believing in the idea of the most powerful witch. Um, there's no such thing. There's no such thing. There are some wimpy-ass witches, and then there are the rest of us who are just witches, and we're all competent. You're wimpy only because you're early. You know, you're getting started, or you're lazy, and you're not doing the work. Or you're selfish, and you refuse to look at the world the way it is. Whatever, you're violating some basic principles, but there are no... Um, there are no super powerful witches 
there are wise witches, witches who understand how power works and use it wisely. All witches have access to that power, but these ones are using it. You know, so that's, those are some things that I've stopped believing in and changed my opinion about. Okay, so we have, I, go ahead. Sorry. I want to mention that the uh, thing that you encountered there with, like, intelligence being lauded as, like, not only being lauded as, like, the thing that you've got to have, but but also pairing that with, you, you have to have these edgy opinions, you have to act like a total asshole and, yeah. and derisive towards people. That is actually what made me leave the magical community for ten years. See? So you ha experienced it too, did you? I got tired, like, I, because I, whenever I got into demons, you know, right. like kids are doing these days, um, <laughs> I immediately tried to enter communities that were working with demons, and most of them are, like, you know, Useless, heavy into scholarly. Words. Yeah, but they're also heavy into scholarly magic, and in that community, I found a lot of Oh, so you're just talking, that, like, Solomonic magic and stuff. Yeah, Solomonic and chaos magic. Like, really? where that crosses over. Yes, because um, there's a lot of chaos magic magicians who work with demons. They they just crack open any grimoire and just... You, well, you, you, right. If it's all belief-based, then you just take those instructions and apply them. And but those work. people rarely come across to me as being scholastic. I mean, they... Um, Pseudo-elitist, certainly, but not scholastic. They're not any good at it. Yeah, but they run in the same circles. So you, you, if you find the super-elitist scholastic assholes uh -huh. in you know in Sol solomonic you usually find like some chaos magicians on the edges who are also assholes but not as scholastic and there are some chaos magicians who are very scholastic you know um, it, it could be and not all chaos magicians are assholes it's just that like it really helps it could be that that part of my problem is uh, my interactions with the uh the chaos magician community came from my interactions with the lhp community and that was through my interactions with the vampire community and they are a bunch of idiots no i didn't really find the vampire pocket of things i was really more in like the grimoire side of things and i quickly left like that i've come sense. back to it now that i've like figured out a few like I, I figured out for myself what i was okay with and i got my own confidence and my own work and i also took 10 years to go let demons prove themselves to me so if anybody from you know a different side of demon working tells me that i'm doing it wrong i can tell them to shut the fuck up because i know what i'm doing right well and i i think it's actually rather funny because a lot of times people will try to police you just because they don't like the fact that you're getting results yeah anyways okay so we've got one more question and then we then we can move on to this last little bit which yes yeah so our one more question we have here is um, I had someone ask me, uh, very, like, entertainingly, like, just before we started the podcast and mentioned the fact that we don't have books to recommend to people, um, what's a book that you are reading right now on magic? Oh, what's a book that I'm reading right now on magic? Yeah. Gosh, there's so many on my freaking shelf. Mm -hmm. Um, so actively, I am reading, um... I'm reading a Jane Roberts book, which I don't consider to purely be on magic so much as on spirits. That one is The Education of Oversoul 7. I don't recommend it. Um, a magic book that I'm reading is Lux Heresis, however the fuck that's pronounced. Lux Heresis. You and I usually call it Lucky Harry. Lucky Harry, yes, exactly. And that's Daniel Schulke, and that is on light magic from a outright, purposefully heretical... Um, uh, perspective. Hmm. I'm, I'm saying, hmm, like I don't already know because I'm the one yeah. who recommended it. Um, yes. <laughs> it's actually one of my favorites. So, 
Uh, I will say I don't usually like heresy-based stuff because I like when it comes to like you know uh, traditions that are based in heresy against the Catholic Church. I'm an ex-Catholic. I don't really want to deal with the Catholic Church, so I'm not going to deal with the heresy against the Catholic Church. I'm going to have something that has nothing to do with it whatsoever. Right. And so usually I avoid heretical type stuff, but this is actually interesting. It is, and Schulte's really kind of interesting like because it's written. Go ahead. Sorry. It's written in a way that I can tell he he understands what he's working with and what he's doing. That he's not just saying a heretical view because like this is the real version of history. It's like there's like eighteen different versions of history having to deal with that. Don't tell me it's the real version. Right. Um, like he, but he's specifically he's crafting a narrative. He's making a piece of art. He's you know he knows what he's he's talking about and he 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 knows what he's playing with. And so with that knowledge, it's much easier for me to read it because I can just see what he's doing with and, it as, and treat as a, it as a fabrication. It's a framing device. Yeah, exactly. And so you so, can ignore yeah. the parts of the frame that you already have better stuff for. Pretty much. Which is really good. I agree. I do the same thing with it. I think he intends for us to do things like that. Like, I think he writes the books to be kind of done like that. So, the book that I'm reading right now, I just finished, I just finished um, kind of uh, rummaging through, like, I'm a speed reader, so I flip back and forth and I pick up little pieces everywhere, but I, like, I read it all kind of in a gestalt sort of fashion. I, I'm reading uh, Devin Hunter's uh, Witch's Book of Power. Um, for those of you who are involved in a paradigm that unifies psychic powers and witchcraft, um, who are interested in things like astrology, this book is brilliant. You should totally read it. Um, for those of you who hear any of the things I just said and don't like them, you may not get as much mileage out of it. But it's really well written. Um, he, he didn't meander too much. He put himself together really well. Everything is very comprehensive. Um, he gives you steady and solid exercises to work with. I will tell everybody it's very heavily influenced by his own practice. This, he flat out says that this is about his practice of uh, uh, the sacred fires of Diana or something to that effect. But um, his, uh, his influence from Dianic traditions uh, from uh, star goddess traditions like Anderson Ferry and Reclaiming are very present in the book. And it is a breath of fresh air for those of you looking at the same old Wicca, Earth, Air, Fire, Water, um, cast a circle in the customary manner kind of thing. This is actually a pretty good one. Um, I didn't personally get a whole lot out of it because everything that he's writing about, I've already formed an opinion about, and it's not the same as his, but it isn't far from it. So it's more like, you know, he's just just close enough to what I'm looking at, but that I can relate, but just far enough that I can go, but you're wrong. And I don't think <laughs> that that is actually terribly helpful. Devin's actually a very accomplished witch. I'm just over here kind of going, my opinions are better. So I am looking forward to reading his second book more. The Book of Spirits looks even more promising. I already leaped through it and found several very interesting references in it. So I'm looking forward to that. So those are our questions as far as the interview goes. So we have three more, and I mean, I guess it's... I am the question keeper. You are. So, and this is kind of our substitute for our Celtic Crosshairs um, segment, where we answer questions from our fans. Um, 
And we uh, we do get quite a lot of questions in the inbox that are not actually asking us to divine on things that are just asking us. Right. And, and so, so we figured we'd collect those three together because we're doing interview type stuff here anyway. Yeah, and we'll make some time for that this time. So that's what we're going to do this time. All right. So and it first? is just going to be, it, we are just doing questions three this time. No more endless run of questions. All right. So I'm starting with the one that's at the top of the list in okay. my paste box. And it's from Anonymous. Um I am a new listener to the podcast. It's great so far. You're welcome. Um, in your very first episode, you guys talked about how a witch is anyone who practices witchcraft. I agree with that definition, but I was wondering how you both define witchcraft. Um, and they say, keep up with good work, and we will try. <laughs> okay, so they're basically asking us, um, how do we define witchcraft? Yeah. Okay, I want to go first, if you don't mind. I really want you to go first. Okay, so the very first thing I'm going to say is this is a trap. This question is a trap. I don't know if the person who worded it in, intended it as such or knew that it was, but it's a trap because this question came from Tumblr, and Tumblr hates when you define witchcraft. <laughs> I am going to do it anyway because this is actually prominent to my practice. Um my practice involves the idea that words mean things, and I'm going to absolutely explain that. Witchcraft, the craft of witchery, is the usage of various forms of uh, magical practice, sympathetic magic, and so on and so forth, to harness the power of witchery. The difference between witchcraft and other kinds of magic is all over the place, depending on what other kind of magic, but primarily... A witch's power comes from the witch. It doesn't come from stars and moons and so on and so forth, although those things have power. It doesn't come from the herbs that they're using, although those things have power. It doesn't come from spirits that they talk to. It doesn't come from the devil. It doesn't come from, well, I mean, that's debatable in and of itself. Like, there are some metaphors that actually make sense. Chicken or egg. Yeah, that whole, like, devil, soldier, soldier's hold of the devil thing actually has some interesting roots. And... Um, some of them make sense, but not all of them, and so therefore it's kind of like half useful at best. The power comes from the witch herself. Her feelings, her uh, aesthetic, her belief system, everything, those are conduits, sometimes shitty ones, but usually good ones, for her power, which influence the subtle to cause um, outcomes on the apparent, to cause changes in, in the mortal. So... That's what witchcraft is. Witchcraft is learning how to do it deliberately. Witchcraft is learning how to harness that stuff so that it doesn't just fly around and break electronic appliances and make your plants grow weird. That's what witchcraft is. So. Your turn. I have two answers to this question. Oh, no. One is what Rune just said. <laughs> like, if you're going to ask... like. This is a question, like, just like, you know, what do you think magic is and all that? Like, don't ask just everybody this question, unless you're, like, using it as some sort of test. But, like, if you're really interested in the answer, don't ask just everybody this question. Only ask the people who really are interested in defining witchcraft. It's true. What witchcraft is. Because I don't give a fuck. That's my second answer. <laughs> there you go. So, so your first answer is what he said, and your second answer is, meh. I don't I, like. I don't give a fuck. That being said, go find someone who gives a fuck and ask them. Okay. Well, and see, because that, this is just not. It's not my. It's not the kind of type of and type I, of question. Look, that I I'm really like this answering. question, and I'm glad that someone asked it. Thank you so much, Anon, for asking it because that gives people a chance to kind of get to know who we are 
And the honest answer is, Felix and I get into conversations in, about the various different kinds of magic and stuff to learn about magic and things like that. And one of the, the constant things that we are confronted with is, I am anal retentive and put labels on literally everything and then destroy them and change them so that I can relabel everything like, a, like an insane scrapbooker. And Felix literally does not care. He's over here going, well, this is the thing that I'm doing and this is what feels right. And I'm an artist and I made things happen. <laughs> well, and like there's there's some things I'm very very invested in sem semantics when it comes to some things, but when it comes to witchcraft, like that isn't the thing that I made into my special interest, and so like I I don't really care. I don't like have a, a you know right. a horse in that race when it comes to that, and so I'm like go find somebody who cares and who who really is into that to to give you this answer because like I'm not going to give you um, a substantive answer when it comes to you know what is witchcraft, but like you know. I find it interesting whenever we do get into discussions on this, sometimes we have a 20-minute segue just to define a word or a concept. It does happen, especially... And that's very important. Especially when one of us is teaching the other something. Yeah. That happens a lot. Anyway, okay, so let's move to the second question. Yes, the second question, which is the question that I shall be reading out because I am the person who is keeping the questions. Yes. Um, this is Feather Feather Bullshit. <laughs> that's a great Sounds name. Sounds like a like a segment for a news hour um, <laughs> I was reading a book and it talks about this cosmic web in quotations where you can download knowledge mm. in quotations and I wanted to know what your guys' opinion on that were etc the book is The Modern Guide to Witchcraft by Sky Alexander no I haven't read it uh, do you know like this author I do I, okay so I have it I have this book Oh, okay. I have not read it. I have this book. I have that Grimoire one that they did, the Modern Witch's Grimoire, whatever it is. And I was looking at the other one that they released, and I have not finished reading the first one. I pick at it. I just don't care. Like, I, eh. Um, but this whole thing about the cosmic web, it's an old concept. It is associated with a lot of things. It's associated with Indra's web. It's associated with the Maya um, it's associated, so there's like a Hindu and Vedic concept associated with it. There's the web of weird associated with um, Norse mythology. And the um, and just so everyone is clear, and I do want to make this clear, um, it does have a place to, uh, it does have a part to play in the stories of the Norse because there is a handmaiden of Frigg named Saga who reads it and tells people stories about their past, present, and future, and she teaches people how to learn to read it. And she teaches them how, by observing the stars in silence and meditation. So it really does exist in lots of different cultures all over the world. Um, whether or not it exists is a completely different question. And I have no way of answering that for you. I have not... It, so does this have anything to do with the Akashic Records? Yes, it does. Okay. This is so one of many ways to describe this cosmic web is the Akashic Record. And so the thing is, my knowledge of the Akashic Records that I possess is different than some other people's stuff on the Akashic Records. Like, there are, like, you know, people are like, oh, I reached the Akashic Records today, I could go get everything. And I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> yes, One, go get everything. No, you didn't. Answer who, um, like, where's Jimmy Hoffa? <laughs> okay, look, you got to the place where all knowledge is stored. Great. Were you able to actually take something of like huge like you know like i was able to access everything okay well how much of it were you able actually to take back yeah exactly who killed because JFK? did you get to some some primordial place that doesn't exist in this world guess what when you try to take something from it back into this world there's it's gonna degrade see and this is my thing um 
I, I can't answer this question because I don't know the answer. Um, which is funny. That means I guess I'm not connected to the Akashic Record, right? But anyway, uh, I don't believe in certainty, and knowledge is something that is a bit um, subject to change based on new information. Uh, truth self-validates, but the, the stuff we spin around it is not true. It's just extras. So the cosmic web thing, here's my problem. If you're asking me, is there a sort of source of information for when you don't have an answer to something that is readily available to those with the skill or talent or aptitude to reach it that will just kind of provide you the answer to a question that you didn't even realize you needed the answer to? The answer is yes. I have no idea if it's one or many things. I have no idea what the nature of it is. I don't think it's a cosmic web. I don't know what it is. I know that when I need an answer for something, it's easy for me to get it. I know that sometimes I can pluck something out of the air and know something about a subject that I have literally never encountered and then I find out I'm right. But I don't know, no, for certain, meaning I don't believe, because certainty is about belief, not about knowledge. Uh, I don't believe that what I am doing is plucking out of the cosmic web or the Akashic record or anything to that effect. The jury's still out. So my opinion is anything that tells you how to do it, my recommendation is if it's telling you, here's a spell to consult the cosmic web and download information, try it and see what happens and then let us know. I will say that I'm very annoyed by the phrasing download knowledge and like I'm not gonna if this is just feather further bullshit's way of summarizing what was written in the book no no it was then, in the book it, okay it's in the book that literally book. says download knowledge it is okay a thing. here's my problem um one we've already got the concept of the cosmic web and the akashic records and all that stuff that precedes predates the internet you know the internet wasn't always here right everyone <laughs> we didn't always have the internet well some people so, always did and i understand that download knowledge might be an analogy and so but receiving a download from saint Germain. here is my problem there is um technomancy people use technology as a basis for doing magic and so there is actually an astral internet there are several astral internets if there's exists in the physical, there's probably a spiritual component. There's all kinds of techno bullshit that you can download knowledge from using technomancy. That has really nothing to do with whatever this person is conceiving of as the cosmic web. Unless it does. Unless this is about technomancy. Uh, well, but hold it, on. Unless they're tapping yeah. into something that's real. Because just because you think something is real doesn't mean it is. And once you find something that actually works, it's usually because it sidled up to something real and then glommed on and now it works. Yeah, and so it's like whether the the download thing basically annoys me because there's there's technomancy conventions that you can you can do that stuff with that really are kind of separate. Um, but they could also you could say that they're basically both the same thing. But like, it, I don't like this wording. I don't like this vagueness. I'm gonna flip this entire it's, table that it exists on. And it's it's not feather feather bullshit's fault that book is written this way. Like I'm not. Yeah, and kidding. so if anybody ever wondered where is it that Felix flips when it comes to semantics, it's right here. <laughs> when you try to use modern vernacular to try to explain how an old concept works when the old vernacular actually still works. 
Not that. Oh. When you try to use technology as an analogy, whenever you can also use technology. And so it's like, <laughs> because the, te- like, does this, I do technology as a living. So <laughs> Like, I'm still kind of lost on where, where you're, you're, um, you're flipping your, your switch here, but like, okay, we, we, if I want to download shit on the cosmic web, I can do that in a techno magic way. <laughs> It will actually interface with the internet. Well, and that's the thing. That's the thing. What you're talking about is something that is viable. So, of course, it will work if it does, which is the problem. That's why I say test it. Try it out. See if it works. Yeah. If you're going to talk about accessing the web of fate, maybe use a web spider web or or weaving-based analogy. (laughs) Well, I'm assuming that, that Feather Feather Bullshit is just trying to find a place to start. And honestly, all I'm going to tell you is, if you want a place to start, that's a good one. Go for it. Give it a try. If you're worried about it being fake, if you're worried about it being made up, um, lots of cultures have talked about things like this. And modern information paradigm-based magic, postmodern magic, uh, tends to focus on things like this. It's not a bad place to start. You can always try to make it work. And if it does work for you, woo, you learn something cool. And if it doesn't work for you... Uh, try again, and after you've tried three times and it hasn't worked, then move on to something else. Yeah, if it doesn't work after three times, then you just you just have to wait for it to like spawn camp you later. Right, exactly, because either it doesn't work because it's not real, or you're not the person who can make it work yet, and you have to find the place to start where it will work for you. Okay, so let's move on to the next question, the last question of our list. The last question: How would you go about doing spirit work with confidence? I am very easily spooked and even afraid of the dark, etc., but I want to get in touch with other entities and not to be so affected by my fear, etc. How would you, what did you do to get over this? Thank you so much. Love you guys. Signed one hell of a man. Aww. Okay, so I'm going to start by saying I have a lot of comp- or I have a lot of compassion for you because the thing that you are talking about right now is a struggle and I have been through it myself. That being said, you are not going to like my answer because it is very bitchy. So, Felix, do you want to go first, or shall I? Um, I'm going to go first. Thank you. Because <laughs> um, it, it sounds like we want a little bit of cushioning. Um, when I headed into this, like, I was like, okay, demons sound intimidating, but really fun. Um, <laughs> and I, the, the fun factor is too much for me to make it go away. Um, basically, like, fun factor overrode the fear factor. Um but one of the first things that the demons actually worked with me with uh, was on fear. Mm-hmm. And um, specifically, I work with Vapar on this, um, if you're wondering which demon. And Vapar introduced the concept of fear and um, how to handle things and what work he was going to do with me uh, very early on. Um, and he introduced it basically like this. Since Vapar is the one who gets to help me handle fear... I can't be afraid of Vapar. You cannot be afraid of fear itself or you're fucked. Right. Can't be afraid of being afraid. And like I would get I would have trouble going to sleep because I would be afraid of the possibility of having nightmares. Right. Being afraid which of made being it afraid. more likely for me to have nightmares. Yes, and it also just it really fucked up my sleep. And so Vapar helped, you know, me like, you know, calmly just start 
setting out towards things without having it completely overruled by fear. Now, if you've got anxiety or something, anxiety is something that you like you have to, to treat in some way. Like sometimes I just treat anxiety by like going through some, you know, mental conversations that my therapist taught me to do. Like, right. you know, dialectical behavioral therapy. Um, or, you know, there's there's all kinds of things you can take for anxiety. You can freaking take a tea for it sometimes. It's mm-hmm. just, like sometimes it just takes a little bit of edge. Anxiety is a little bit different than fear. Anxiety is like uh, worry, right? Profound worry. Well, bodily Whereas, chemical worry too. Just to, so yes. we're clear, anxiety is a chemical bodily response, and it is not easy to shake. So yeah, it's, it's linked to adrenaline, and it's linked to um, to the levels of serotonin you have, and all sorts of shit. It is a mess, and it is not easy yeah. to shake when you get into the into the anxious state. So that, you have to learn how to process through it. Anyway. Yeah, I want to separate fear and anxiety because anxiety is it, it's more worry based, whereas fear is more like you're starting to get into terror and horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Vapar, Vapar helped me through that. Vapar manifests literally as a monster, right? And so, started working with me in terms of like you know thinking about the monsters that people tell stories about when you're a kid that are supposed to live under your bed or are supposed to live in your closet supposed to live in the dark. I was basically friends with one of those monsters. Mm-hmm. If you've got a best friend who's a monster, you don't have to worry about monsters anymore. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like what Rune was saying, you know, quoting from Terry Pratchett about, you know, a, a, a witch being fine because she knows she's the scariest thing in the woods. Right. It's like, if I've got Vapar in my place, I don't really have to worry about anything else that's in here because he's the scariest thing in here. Mm-hmm. Fear is his job. And so, so that helped. Yeah, having um, basically a big brother figure helped, mm-hmm. um, but also he helped me deal with it, you know, on a personal basis. Like you know, and a big part of it was not building up something into a big deal. Like, you know, this is the thing that you're going to have to face and deal with, and you're just going to have to handle it. Freezing up about it, making it bigger than it is, and none of this is actually helpful. That's just a bunch of beating around the bush. So, you know, you're just going to have to practically face it and start, you know, you're going to have to witch up. Mm-hmm. So, okay. now you can kick the stuffing out of that. Uh, well, actually, there's nothing to kick the stuffing out of. I'm just going to build off <laughs> of it because you're saying a lot of the same things. So, Yay. the way that you deal with fear is through exposure. And here's my difficulty with this. I know what you're talking about. You're worried. You're not worried about doing spirit work at all. You're worried about doing spirit work in a way that you can be strong and confident. You're worried about securing yourself and being safe. So here's the problem. When I began working on my witchcraft training, it was as a result of a number of things, one of which was I was being haunted by a spirit. Have I told the Pennywise story on this podcast yet? Um, I do not recall. I'd say give it like a truncated version of it. Well, and I was going to. So, um, I was haunted by a spirit that liked to manifest in the form of Pennywise, the Tim Curry version from the movie. Um, and, uh, it would come out of walls. It would come up out of sewer grates and out of, uh, out of, uh, air vents. It would come through mirrors. It would pass in through my shower curtain. It was visible tangible to me like i could well it wasn't physical it was visible like really solid to me and i could tell that it was some sort of a weird spooky type thing and it scared the shit out of me to the point where i was afraid to be in the bathroom with the door closed i was afraid to sleep without the light on and that meant the hall light 
I was afraid to sleep without someone watching over me, which meant that I meant I needed my pa my family to be awake so I could sleep. And this, I was afraid of the dark from the age of probably, oh, probably like age 10 until, and it started at age 10, I wasn't afraid before that, age 10 to about hmm, age 16 because I could see things. Now, the thing that changed for me was when I was about 13, uh, someone saw it. Someone I knew saw the spirit. Maybe not 13, actually probably younger, but anyway, someone actually saw the same thing I was seeing. And they described it to me to the point where I screamed and ran and ran away. Uh, and um, then I had to explain because he, of course, followed me and was like, why are we running? And I'm like, I explained to him the whole story. And um, so my learning magic, the very first place I started was spirits because the very first thing I thought was important was learning how to handle that. Um, I will tell you, learn how to cast protection spells and it will help you feel better. Uh, this is one of the reasons why I am a very big fan of Silver Ravenwolf, and I know there are a lot of people out there who hate her, who think that she's just a racist old lady who lives in Pennsylvania. No, actually. Some of you were not around when she was really in her heyday, and so you don't know how compassionate and caring she was in the days of no internet when she would send you a handwritten or hand-signed uh, letter that conversed with you about your problems that you because you wrote her talking to her about your problems and she wrote you back. She did that for me. And one of the things that I learned from reading her books was how to cast a damn good protection spell. How to cast a really powerful circle of protection. And it was a like it was so good that it actually concealed our presence entirely. So the two things that really helped me were, one, my friend seeing the spirit that was chasing me so that I was able to recognize that what I was experiencing was not me being crazy. And two, being able to do something metaphysical that created an influence over the world that other people could detect. People would try to look at me while I was in my circle and I would look distorted like I was being seen through water. They couldn't focus on me clearly. People would try to walk through my protections and they would bounce off. Those, those two things gave me enough confidence to start interacting with spirits on a deliberate fashion. And that was when the shit hit the fan because the spirits I was working with, the spirits I was interacting with, um, I was summoning through a Ouija board uh, as part of a seance. Um, and so we were getting attention. We didn't know how to kind of really focus on what we were looking for. So we would get spirits of all different kinds. And many of them turned inimical or hostile to us because my sister was terrified of them. And so was her best friend. Um, and so I would have to watch the fallout from all of that while still being safe from it because I had my own protections. So I had to encounter bad spirits because of stupidity. And then I had to be protected from them. Um, so that I could see that my protections did serve me pretty well. And then I had to come to grips with the fact that the thing I was encountering was not physically damaging, never did anything physical, didn't throw things around the room, didn't physically touch me and hurt me. It just spooked the crap out of me. 
And that was what really started it for me. So what I'm going to tell you is, without more detail on your personal level of experience, I cannot tell you how to not be spooked, but I can tell you doing things that are tangible, that have a tangible impact upon the things you're afraid of, help. And that is where you should start. And it's going to be a lot of work, and you are probably going to get bitten. You're going to have things happen to you that scare the fuck out of you, and you need to be prepared for them now. What Felix told you about not being afraid of fear is an excellent thing to know. So what I would suggest is learn your protection spells, because I didn't have a big brother. I had me, and I had to learn to be the baddest thing in the room. So start practicing circle casting, start practicing your basic, uh, your basic protections, and so on and so forth. Don't necessarily waste too much time with the whole throwing energy things, you know, energy balls and all that garbage. Literally, if you want to hurt a spirit that is scaring you, the easiest way to do it, I want you to imagine what it felt like the very first time you remember being burned, physically burned by fire. Imagine that, feel it, and ignite it like a flame in your hand, turn it into a fireball, and throw it at it. Spirits do not have any ability to handle pain because they don't have physical bodies. And by the way, that kind of fire doesn't burn out. So they'll just burn forever until you turn it off. <laughs> and that's usually enough. That's usually enough. They're like, nope, I hate this guy. I'm out of here. Um, and that will work. And if you're dealing with something really strong and really powerful, the fireball was good enough for you to throw, then snap up your protection if you haven't been carrying them around forever. I am a paranoid motherfucker, and so I keep my protections on all the time. I sleep with them. My room is warded. Everything in my house is warded. I know that spirits are capable of causing trouble, so I, I take rational precautions. So that's what I'm going to tell you. If you're wanting to learn how to work with spirits with confidence, it's the same as wanting to deal with people at high school with confidence. You have to learn how the world that you're in works, and then you have to take rational precautions, and then you need to prepare yourself that way so that you can trust your environment enough that you can start preparing for interaction. Never let something get the better of you. Never let something, don't swim around in someone else's pool. Make it your own. Okay, so that is my advice. And there is a lot to go into it. It is not something that is small. If you are wanting me to say something friendly about, well, I mean, just try and everything will be okay. No, that is an immature magician's answer. It is not that, uh, that this world is full of everything that's going to hurt you. It's not that everything in this world is unkind. It's that there are enough unkind things out there and you have to, in order to work with any of them, you have to get close enough to them for them to bite you, that you should start wearing armor. So start wearing armor. Cast some circles. So that's where I say start. And read Silver Raven Wolf. Uh, specifically her second book in the, that series of three to um, Stir a Magic Cauldron. Read that one. It has everything to do with circle casting. The others you can kind of give or take. Um, in fact, the first one is kind of eh. <laughs> so that is my advice. All right. So that is all of our questions for the moment, I think. I want to add something. Well, Okay. But it's not about that question. It's actually about, I think, one of our first questions. Because I just, like, because of something you said. Hmm. Remember we were talking about, like, a, a, a salty um, a pet peeve about the witch community? Yeah. I, like, forgot about this one, but you reminded me of it. And it's, like, one of the things I hate the most about 
conversations with other witches and witch lessons and magic books and everything. Okay. Energy balls. Uh, I hate energy balls. It's fucking waste of waste of it's time. It's pedantic bullshit. Like it's yeah. Like it, what exactly are you trying to accomplish? You're putting a ball in a round hole. Like there's <laughs> nothing you've done. Like <laughs> that was good. This, <laughs> even even putting a square in a square hole is harder than putting a ball in a round hole. Like you've produced an energy ball, great. What are do something else? Like I hate energy. I hated energy ball exercises because it was like they're like, oh, we're, we're, we're training your imagination. Like, You're not training my imagination to do shit. You're dumbing down my imagination. Right. Like I can think of. A fucking purple dinosaur. So ask me to make a purple dinosaur. Because, like, an energy ball, like, I know that, you know, you can roll it across people, you can pluck it at people, you can send it whatever. You can all do all kinds of things with balls. You can also do all kinds of things with literally any other shape. I enjoy doing things with balls. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't help myself. They don't ask you to do things with balls that are fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that could have changed the whole game. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so I wanted to just sort of add on top of things. Fuck energy balls. See, and I'm um, kind of in that boat too. Like, anyway. But, so that's where I would say you should start, though. Start creating wards. Start creating protection spells. Learn how they work. Read about them. Read about different types. Cast them all. Play with them forever. And then learn some basic stuff. Learn some basic casting. I started with rune magic. And I got really stupidly good at it. And that's why I'm called S. Rune Emerson and not something else. Like, I don't know, S. Herbalism. Yeah, and they may not already have a magical practice. They were just asking how to do spirit work right. with confidence. Right. Um, I just, I, I thought we were done with that question. No, so we're totally like, good. So I wanted to add about, you know, my furiousness with spirit balls before we wrap this up. <laughs> spirit ball fury. Spirit balls of fire. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. If they were fiery balls, I would have. Right. I don't know why they didn't bother to teach you to throw like fireballs or actual leaven bolts. I mean, like you have to learn what those even are. That's so frustrating. Anyway, okay, so that wraps us up. I think. What do you think? Oh yeah, we're done. <laughs> oh, we are done here. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> All right. Why don't you go ahead and sing us out? All right, well, until next time, may the circle of salt protect you from spirit balls.